This podcast covers sensitive topics. Content warnings can be found in the description. Also, we talk about TV shows, so consider this your spoiler warning. Procedural generation. Procedural Veneration, an untrue crime podcast where we talk about, rate, and goof on all the crime procedurals you've watched way too many times. As always, I'm your co-host, Daphne. I'm your co-host, Hank. Using our highly scientific evaluation system, we will weave our way through the dark back alleys and dirty crime scenes to definitively answer the questions, one, which crime procedural is the best, and two, how many spinoffs of popular procedurals are we willing to sift through? Today, we're going to be starting with a classic. Law and Order. Oh boy. With 22 seasons and 476 episodes at the time of recording, Law and Order is a quintessential procedural drama. It is the second longest running live action scripted American primetime series, which is a lot of qualifiers. Yeah. Uh, but can you guess which is the first longest? I don't know, ER. <laughs> <laughs> You're incorrect. It's very closely associated with Law and Order. Law and Order SVU. It is, in fact, Law and Order SVU. <laughs> that doesn't count, surely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Getting one up by your own younger brother. <laughs> exactly. That's how my brother feels. <laughs> now he can never listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, that's, I will make him listen to this podcast immediately. <laughs> so Law and Order has 22 seasons, 476 episodes, which is still a, a Everyone lot. knows that. Yeah. <laughs> It's still a lot, but SVU still managed to, uh, you know, get that title. So this came about because, weirdly enough, in 2010, NBC canceled Law & Order, but started a new <laughs> Law & Order spinoff, Law & Order Los Angeles, while also renewing Law & Order SVU. Personally, thought it was hilarious that NBC canceled Law & Order, but was like, hey, those spinoffs, they can, let's just keep going on those. <laughs> I mean, having watched it without talking too much about my review, I can understand why, you know, your your generic great value brand Law & Order might not have persisted compared to the one that actually had, like, a premise that was original. <laughs> well, I will say, we'll get into this, Law & Order actually is very interesting from that perspective. Mm -hmm. But first, let's talk more about this cancellation and then we can get into um, the originality of yeah. Law & Order. I need to know, why was it canceled and who was canceled? Original Law & Order ran consecutively from 1990 to 2010. So that's still, like, an incredible oh, yeah. run, right? And as far as I can tell, there were a variety of licensing rights issues and general money squabbles, which is what left the show in canceled limbo for about 12 years. Yeah. Despite its popularity, you know, with the public, but also interest by a variety of networks. So a bunch of people were actively trying to get Law & Order back, but on their network, and there was just a lot of disagreements over the terms of that, from what I could tell. Which is why it was <laughs> canceled for 12 years. And the rest of its spinoffs continued to keep going. Well, I shouldn't say the rest of its spinoffs. SVU continued. No. <laughs> the rest of them fared uh, less well. But there's still more spinoffs being made like every year. So. Yeah. 
So it actually took yet another Law & Order spinoff to fall through in the pre-production stages for NBC to finally just be like, fine, let's just get original Law & Order, Law and Order yeah, back. Yeah, Law & Order back. <laughs> we don't need to worry about a new spinoff. Let's just get the original with back. With some of the same people. <laughs> with some of the same people, exactly. Such a waste of all their tiny bits of character development. <laughs> I feel like that's unfair, <laughs> given the amount of Law & Order that we want. That's fair. Yeah, so finally, after a 12-year hiatus, Law & Order began airing new seasons in 2022. Topical, um, too. Yeah. <laughs> Something else that I thought that was really interesting about this whole cancellation business was that Law & Order has won 48 awards and had 203 award nominations over its lifetime, which is a lot. <laughs> it's a pretty significant amount. Four of those nominations and two of those wins were the year it was canceled. That's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I imagine part of that is just bloat in actor salary to a certain degree. Because uh, I'm sure old Jack was raking in the dough by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is conjecture. I don't know. I yeah, look it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I found some sources that cited low ratings and high production costs as the reason for cancellation. For sure. Uh, which, you know, I understand is a common reason for cancellations. So nothing super, like, steamy or uh, drama-filled there, as far as I could tell. Though I will say, you'd expect there to be a bit of leeway for a show with six primetime Emmy wins. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, The Simpsons has a lot, and look how that's going. <laughs> I'm sorry, is this a Simpsons commentary I will now? I will drop in every diss of modern neo neolib uh, Simpsons that I can possibly fit into this podcast. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, hey, that's fine. Uh, you know, you can take the heat on that one. <laughs> yeah, and and something that's also interesting about all that is that in retrospect, the IMDb ratings for the last few seasons before cancellation were equivalent to the other ones, even like some of the beginning seasons too. At least retrospectively, the seasons before it got canceled seem to be considered just as well as most other episodes. Yeah. At least if we're using IMDb ratings. Right. You know, which are the. Flawed events? <laughs> no, I was going to say the end all be all. Oh, of yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. There's, there is no better. Uh, <laughs> there is than no IMDb. better. Yeah. IMDb is the best rating system that anyone ever could use. <laughs> no flaws whatsoever. <laughs> ever has or ever will concoct. <laughs> It's also <laughs> worth noting, in terms of like the IMDb ratings, right? It cannot be said that uh, the seasons since the return have fared as just as well as the rest of the episode, since the return seasons composed most, if not all, of the worst-rated episodes. Yeah, we can we can touch on that a little bit mm -hmm. in our episode-specific stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's something that I find interesting. You know, it finally comes back, but it's lost some of that relevancy, in my opinion, right? Yeah. That it had 12 years ago. Right. And so you're still trying to capitalize on that with a completely different cast and, you know, a bunch of spinoffs that are performing better. Yeah. I will say from a production and structure perspective, it's a very unique show, especially when I first started in 1990. It was one of the first and definitely the first successful show to split episodes to showcase the arrest and the prosecution of specific cases. And it was also especially unique in the 90s for the positive and collaborative depiction of prosecutors and police detectives, uh, which Dick Wolf, who's the creator, cited as one of his major goals. So I thought that it was interesting. In my mind, you know, I've seen quite a few procedurals in my day. And I agree that usually it's a adversarial relationship between like the detectives and the prosecution, you know, dramatized and all that in the TV shows. I do think that it's interesting 
that um, he wanted to show a more positive interpretation of that relationship. Yeah, and I think in the few episodes that we saw, the conflict between, but also cooperation of, of the DA's office and the police department was very interesting. Also, it wasn't a matter of a cop show having to effectively build the entire case, deliver proof, and or get a confession, right? It, it allowed them to be like, here's the charges, or like, you know, here's what the evidence that we have. Now you can go ahead and make the case, which isn't exactly, you know necessarily realistic but it's kind of interesting um another one of the big draws for the show has been the idea that every episode is based on a real case really <laughs> yes <laughs> they, wow <laughs> yeah yeah they used to have a little disclaimer well so in the episodes we watched i don't know if you noticed um, and some of them they had a disclaimer that this is all fictional <laughs> yeah. and may or may not be adapted from real stories but this is all fictional and these are all fictional people because they actually got into a little bit of hot water because it used to say, you know, like, I think it's ripped from the headlines is like the wording that they used to use, that all these stories are ripped from the headlines, essentially saying that these stories are um, inspired by real life cases that are usually happening in New York. That sounds like a great way to get sued. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is because they the show did get sued by a lawyer for libel when a character that shared a similar name to him and his distinctive features appeared in an episode. I don't know. I mean, it's a strong enough case that this lawyer felt like he could sue. Right. It was the it was the deposition case where the guy couldn't get the wanted a definition of photocopying machine. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't go into details, the, the news article that I read about, like, why it was, you know, the features were distinctive and, like, stuff like that. So yeah. I, I can't speak on how good of a, a suit this was. But, you know, they've stopped doing that because <laughs> people uh, were starting to get a little angry about it. Yeah. And I will say, um, which we'll talk about in a later episode, Dick Wolf has pretty clearly said, like, oh, you know... This episode is based off this case, and this episode is based off this case. So they've been pretty blatant about the fact that um, a lot of episodes are pretty one-to-one based on real-life crimes that have happened in New York. Right. On that note, it's also a very New York show. Which oh, is, yeah. Which, you know, I don't know if you knew, but... So it's shot on location, and a lot of the episodes serve as, like, love letters to New York by showing off local places and people. You get Dustin Hoffman in the opening credits <laughs> going, Hey, I'm walking here! <laughs> You've got, the, you've got the Godfather. It's just, like, entirely very New Yeah, York. the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, a slice of pizza. Mayor Bloomberg comes in with a big gulp. <laughs> These are all the things that Midwest <laughs> Daphne knows about yeah, in New York. Is, yeah, Indiana uh, Hank, uh, who has never been to New York or New York City, for, is, uh, that's, that's my image. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where the Twin Towers used to be. Former mayors of New York. Whatever you said. <laughs> That's the... Um, rats. Yeah, rats. Yeah, Pizza Rat. <laughs> pizza Rat. <laughs> Weirdly enough, Pizza Rat is one of the detectives in Law & Order. Yeah. <laughs> Master Splinter. Yeah, Master Splinter. He got fired after episode three, though. <laughs> Sexually harassed uh, one, of, one of the characters. Yeah. <laughs> no, I should say, uh, I did a lot of research into Law & Order, and it may sound like I'm a little ride or die for Law & Order, but before this, I'd not seen... A single episode. I also had not seen a single episode of Law and Order. My experience had been limited to kind of watching a single episode of SVU, which obviously we can save that story for a different time. But I had not seen any Law and Order before this. Yeah. So I used to watch Bones all the time, Bones. and there were always like advertisements for Law and Order, like while I was watching Bones and stuff like that, uh, other procedurals. 
And it always seemed like stuffy, right? Because to me, the least exciting part of the procedurals is when they had the like, <laughs> the DA's office got involved. <laughs> or when they're like, oh, this episode, we're going to do court stuff. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, it's like always like a threat in, in like, in Castle, at least when the DA, and somebody from the DA's office is there, it's like, oh no, what's happening? And they're like, you need to blah, 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 back off this case, blah, blah, blah. It's like never, it's never a good thing. And you never get like, just a lawyer hanging out being like, yeah, these charges, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, and I knew it was a cultural touchstone, right? Like I've seen like John Mulaney has a bit, which I think technically is about SVU, about SVU yeah. but you know, same concepts yeah. apply. And I've seen like, par- dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, and I know that I've seen parodies <laughs> of it, but I, I felt like I got the idea that I wasn't missing out on anything by not seeing it. I, that has been my impression prior to and after watching Law and Order. <laughs> so what, what was your um, overall rating for Law and Order? Okay, so we've decided to do snappy uh, one-sentence ratings. Before um, we get into our more detail. Before we get into more detail about the episodes that we watched. Um, So my rating for this show is too much crime, not enough time. And what number would you give it out of 10? Out of 10? Like a a six and a half, probably. Cool. Uh, My review of Law & Order is... Law & Order is like the spark notes of crime shows, (laughs) with the added benefit of the stuff all the other shows cut out. Now... It's up to your interpretation whether you think that the stuff that the other shows cut out is good or bad that it's included. And I think, honestly, it depends. (laughs) Yeah. I had written the boring stuff all the other shows cut out, and then I decided that that was unfair, and I crossed it out. (laughs) Yeah. The thing I found about the two, like, full crime episodes we watched, because we'll get into what the the highest rated episode ended up being, was that there was just no falling action. It was just like, conviction, <laughs> done. <laughs> and it's like, okay, what are the repercussions for the characters? And it's like, oh, maybe here's one character throwing out a quip, or here's one character who like has an emotional moment when they get back to their office type thing, but it just sort of ended. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, fine. <laughs> yeah, so my reading was actually in line with yours, because I said 7 out of 10, but I was a little hesitant because I thought that might have been starting a little high for our purposes. Yeah, no, that's kind of... I, I was between a six and a seven. I thought six sounded a little cruel because I did enjoy what I watched. Yeah. It just wasn't enough for me to be like, wow, this is a procedural that I want to watch more of, right? It really just ended up kind of being... The- My general feelings were that I could watch a lot of episodes. Yes, I could easily binge quite a bit of Law & Order if it were easy to do so. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't feeling like changing or looking for something else to watch. Yeah. But I think I would be on my phone probably a, a, decent, a decent amount of those episodes. Uh, so that was kind of where my <laughs> rating... <laughs> At least one of the ones that we watched, I would have pulled out my phone pretty much immediately if I was watching this and I couldn't skip it for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we didn't because we were we, committed. We are so committed. I thought about picking up my phone a couple times and then I didn't. <laughs> we worked too hard to get these DVDs from the library. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of our uh, overarching thoughts. Now, before we get into the episode descriptions, so talk about the episodes we watched and uh, why we felt the way we did about them, uh, I would like to have a little um, mini game here. So welcome to our first mini game uh, that I've just entitled Trivia. It's up to you, Hank, to come up with a snappier name for it. So uh, I have a series of five trivia questions that I'm going to ask you to please do your best to respond to. What do I win when I get all five of these dead on? You don't have to watch any more Law & Order episodes. That's kind of false. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, I'll return the Law and Order DVDs to the library. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's what you get for winning. Um, Sounds great. Uh, if you want, we can have a running total of who's the best at random trivia. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. Okay. We'll keep track of overall points, so go ahead. Okay. In 2008, why did TNT have to stop running reruns with Fred Thompson, who played District Attorney Arthur Branch? The real interesting challenge here is that I don't know who Arthur Branch is, mm-hmm. uh, nor Fred Thompson for that matter. So I'm going to say that... <laughs> uh, decidedly, TNT realized that he was in blackface the entire time. Interesting guess. Interesting guess. You are wrong here, actually. Let me give you a good hint. Yeah, let's go with that. This is a. It has to do with a law. So a they law? would be breaking a law if they ran this specific episode. Um, and I will say that he's like he's not not, not a, yeah he's he's the actual <laughs> DA, which I don't think comes up a lot, right? Yeah, so he's only in a couple episodes. Uh, I would imagine that. Fred Thompson, uh, who I can't remember ever hearing of, is somewhat famous, and Law & Order owed him royalties for his appearance on per episode, and TNT was failing to pay those for the episodes in which they were broadcasting. That is a really good guess. That is not true. Okay. But um, the real answer is that he was running to get the Republican presidential uh, nomination. 2008? Yep, Yep, in 2008. Mm -hmm. And by federal law, TNT would have had to give his opponents equal (laughs) airtime. Just a single episode (laughs) with Hillary Clinton and Obama in it and then they're just dancing around having a good time. They stare at the camera a couple times. By his opponents, I don't know if it's like that it'd be his fellow uh, potential uh, Republican presidential nominees or if it would be Democratic nominees. That's a good point. Um, it would. I took it to mean, I don't know, I didn't look up the law I but <laughs> I took it to mean Republican other nominees. Uh, but anywho, I thought that was interesting. I like the idea of trying to get the, all the other nominees just show up in a Law & Order episode. I they, thought it was very funny. <laughs> TNT really should have just made like 10 different edits of it where each where, with each one having a different Republican nominee's face glued onto uh, <laughs> Fred Thompson's instead. Yeah, but that would have been cycled through those. easy solution. Yeah. Or they played the episode and then each commercial break is just filled with political <laughs> ads. <laughs> For his opponents. I mean, it's NPC in uh, election year, so... It's TNT. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're right. It was TNT. I apologize. Yeah. That was the whole point. This next one is going to be a doozy. Okay. But I believe in you. Yeah, I believe myself. How many spinoffs are there that have been aired? That have aired? Yeah. And I will say, I got this off of uh, IMDb's yeah. trivia. It could be incorrect. There could be more <laughs> that uh, have been aired since this trivia question was written. I, I did not fact check it. IMDb, glory, and, oh, glory be unto thy name, you terrible, terrible platform. Exactly. <laughs> um, so how many spinoffs have aired? I'm going to go with a reasonable... All right, I'm going to turn this into a math problem. Okay. Assuming successful crime shows get two spinoffs every 10 years running, with maybe an additional one thrown in there for good behavior... I'm going to go with a, with a solid six to try to match my rating as closely as possible. You are incredibly close. Uh, is it seven? It is seven. Oh, no, my calculus. <laughs> I didn't do, I didn't account for it. Ugh. You, I mean, your your formula was very... My, my formula was correct, and then I just threw out six in the end. <laughs> you were telling me your formula, and I was like, oh my god, he's going to get it. <laughs> Can you name them? Uh, Law and Order. Law and Order SVU. Law I will and... say Law and Order is not a spinoff of Law and Order, <laughs> but continue. You're right. Law and Order SVU. Law and Order UPS. Law and Order FedEx. <laughs> Law and Order Cool Be Gay Do Crimes. <laughs> Law and Order Eat Hot Chip and Lie. Uh, Law and Order Let Sleeping Dogs Lie. Law and Order Me a Double. That one wasn't very funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
You're off the podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you can bring in you can bring in a new co-host. You've been been running long enough that I've quit now. Yeah. Would you like me to tell you them? Yes, please. Okay. So of you got SBU. Yeah. Criminal intent. Trial by jury. Oh. UK. Okay. LA, which should have been a freebie because I told you earlier. Uh, in the background that L.A. got either renewed or started or whatever. The year that uh, Law and Order got canceled. Sorry. I wasn't paying attention. Should have listened. True crime and organized crime. So Law and Order, organized crime, based on true stories, shut down immediately because several production staff <laughs> dies mysteriously. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what yeah. true crime is about compared to the other one. It seems like a weird flex. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. I guess this is kind of an ironic... Uh, start to learn that Law and Order is based off of real crime vaguely because part of our whole point in doing this was being interested in the space of crimes that aren't real and <laughs> yeah. promoting, promoting media about those because uh, nobody really gets affected by it, by those. But mm-hmm. I guess that's not true of Law and Order. So, yeah. mm-hmm. whoops. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, things are rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you, we can give you half credit for that. A half a point? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, my So, so far, you have half half credit. Yeah. Now, this one is kind of a trap. I will tell you ahead of time. And you'll know immediately why when I tell you the question. In one episode, Chevy Chase, who's a guest star in this episode, Mm -hmm. goes on a drunken, sexually and racially insensitive rant to one of the detectives. Which real-life actor was this scene inspired by? Real-life actor? Well, I mean, the funny joke is to say Chevy Chase. (laughs) Yeah, that is the setup I gave you. Um, But that's, of course, not the real answer. Although, maybe he took inspiration when he was studying for the role. Um, (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's such such an ironic thing, because any of his comedy partners would have been able to tell you that he's not that far off from any of those (laughs) things. Real-life actor. All right, well, I'm going to guess this happened in the late 90s era of the show. They would be very popular in this era. Yeah, I don't really have any... I'm too young to have any really good, wow, this guy turned out to be a real piece of work, because, I mean... They were already a piece of work by then. So I'll just go with a, with a healthy Charlie Sheen. <laughs> no, incorrect. Okay. I'll give you a hint. Okay. So you've definitely heard of this person. I'm, I'm sure I have. I'm gonna. I'm pulling up, of course, IMDb right now. Yeah. To see if I can... <laughs> glory be unto the name. <laughs> yeah, glory be unto his name. His name because it's just Jeff Bezos. It's just Jeff Bezos. <laughs> no, IMDb is run independently and that's possibly uh, worse than if it was just run by Amazon. <laughs> This person's most well-known movie would be Braveheart. Bra- oh, Mel Gibson. It is Mel that, Gibson. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. <laughs> You're correct, yeah. Mel Gibson. I won't take half a point on that. You just gave me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at actors' names, and so if you had told me Braveheart, I wouldn't have been able to tell you um, anything. Do you, do you know the famous movie he directed? Braveheart? No. Well, he might have. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Sorry. Uh, Passion of the Christ. Mm, I do actually think I knew that. I think he's the other one in that meme where it's Christ dressed up all blood, bloody oh, yeah. with the crown yeah, I see, yes. He's completely clean, looking like a director. All of my actor knowledge is based around what memes <laughs> what they're memes in. What memes they're in. So Daphne knows a lot about Keanu Reeves. True. <laughs> now, you'll like this one. Okay. Who are the True. three guest stars that have played themselves on Law & Order? Chevy Chase. Wait, no, sorry. <laughs> Trick question. I expect you to know two of these people, and the the last one might be a little harder. You would know what they're famous for, but you might not know their name. Okay. The other um, two, you definitely know well, their names and what they're famous famously for. Famously, John McCain, because they couldn't show Fred Thompson in any episodes. <laughs> so TNT requested that specially. <laughs> um. No, sadly not. Oh, jeez. 
three guest stars that have played themselves. You've named one of them earlier, actually. I did? Yeah, in a joke. Uh, Charlie Sheen? No. No? A joke? <laughs> yeah. I'm not-, I I not funny. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've been 100% earnest this entire podcast. Okay, think New York. Think New York? Uh, Woody Allen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, I wasn't, that, that's the best answer I'd come up with when you say think New York. <laughs> I don't know why Ron Howard comes to mind when I think New York, but I but you it, literally it does. listed this person earlier as someone you think. Oh, of. Uh, Michael Bloomberg. Yes, Michael Bloomberg That's is one of them. Wild. Uh huh. Mayor Bloomberg showing up in an episode. Okay, now going off of that, um, Bill De Blasio. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever the new guy's name is, I can't remember. Nope. If you don't know their name, it's not correct. <laughs> uh, LaGuardia. Who <laughs> is probably dead by the time Law and Order started. Famous George LaGuardia. I don't know what his <laughs> I, first I name is. I can't remember either. <laughs> uh, Antonin Scalia. <laughs> no? Okay. He wanted, to, he wanted to promote his politics. So the what person who I expect you to know is relatively recent. They've been in the news Beyonce. quite a bit. Janelle Monáe. If you think about Michael Bloomberg, also a politician. Bernie Sanders. Think New York. Joe Biden. Think. I mean Donald Trump. No, no? but related to him. Related to Donald Trump. Like, like actually related to Donald <laughs> Not Trump. Not blood related. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if any of his children have been on Law and Order, they've already <laughs> reached a higher tier than their father has. Politically related. Politically related to um, the, the Chris Christie. No? You're thinking way too hard about this. They go over to New Jersey and they have to speak to the governor. <laughs> they're, they're in his jurisdiction. <laughs> I'm thinking too hard about this. Politically related. Uh, Mike Pence. It's Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> There's a there's a, a a brown grease stain in my memory where Rudy Giuliani's name sits. <laughs> and based on how that went, I'll just give you the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Who's um funny. William Kunstler, who is a he's a lawyer and civil rights activist who defended the Chicago Seven. Good for him. That's that's really really good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very happy that he was on Law and Order, and I'm sorry that he's on this list with Rudy Giuliani and <laughs> Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> It's, you know, it's a rough list to be on uh, <laughs> for any of us. I actually applied to Bloomberg um, in, for an internship in college because, you know, it was just... You know, I did too, continue. That's fun. Um, I didn't get it. Uh, yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> but they gave me a hat. So it has a little, like, I guess it's like a little logo for that looks like a little face. But it's just like, it's like a skull cap. Uh-huh. So it's just on the back. Or it's just is on that the, what the hat is Just from? on the lip, yes. <laughs> just on the lip. So I always wear it backwards so that no, nobody is like, is that a Bloomberg skull hat? And I'm like, no, please don't look at me. It's, it was free. <laughs> they didn't even give me a hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should have gone there in person. <laughs> to the career fair. Yeah, to the, to the career fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. This oh, is the last one. Last one. Okay. So far you have half, half a point. Half a point. <laughs> Oh, I just want you to know, you're setting a precedent here. My trivia questions are going to be unfathomably hard and extremely funny. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll hold you to that. Okay. Cool. Uh, what were some of the alternative titles considered for Law and & Order? And I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, boy. <laughs> War and Peace. No, but that does fit the majority of the... Yeah, I imagine there are, there are a lot of, a lot of dichotomy, uh, duality things. Order and chaos. <laughs> Lights and... Suits. Once again, you're thinking way too hard about this. Um, let's see. We have Law and Order. We have Protect and Serve. That's, honestly, that would have been a much better one. <laughs> yeah, that's just like just a cop thing. That's though. true. So, that's like, true. That's true. I, I do agree. It works because obviously you have ostensibly the institution of police as a protection, and I guess protection for the upper class. Um, How about I give but, you the first? Yeah, give me the first word. I'll see if I can come up with the second word. Life. Liberty. <laughs> Death. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. That is terrible. Life and death. That is awful, especially considering one of the episodes we watched, which I'll get into later. <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> oh, they only get worse. Night? Day? Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? Night and Nato- day. Notoriously, lawyers only work during the day and cops only work during the night. I guess it's just broadly about, I don't know. Law, law and order isn't just about one and the other, I yeah. guess, but it does sort of set up that mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Catch him? All. <laughs> Catch him? Yeah. And book him. Very close. Uh, throw the book at him. <laughs> Catch him and cook him. Cook him? Oh, Which is awful because terrible. the death penalty is not even around when this is being made. No, I, I, I have to imagine that comes from a turn of phrase that I'm just unfamiliar with about. Because you're not book a boomer. Book them and cook them kind of thing, right? It doesn't, yeah, because I'm not a boomer. I don't even know if it necessarily has to do with the death penalty. It could just, maybe, maybe she gets jail's hot, you know? <laughs> I do think it's, like, very dark. Like, it is very dark, yeah. Catch them and cook them. Yeah. <laughs> Come watch our, the Hindu show on uh, yeah. NBC. Catch them and cook them. <laughs> Starring Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Law and Order, you can only really take issue with that title getting into the philosophical ramifications of, of law and order. But catch them and cook them. You can get into some issues with that <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I thought at this point, uh, with your total score of a One? half point. Can I have another half for that? I came up with some... War and Peace is a better... You're right. Oh, you're right. Uh, I'll, so, let you, I'll let you have a half I'll, point I'll, Also, I don't want to keep track of a half a point. That's so fine. You have a one single, single point. point. We'll see who has the for, most. For good behavior. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see who has the most at the end of the episode. Or sorry, at the end, end of the, the, end the episode. <laughs> I think it's going to be me at the end of the episode. <laughs> the end of the season. Okay. Let's get into the episodes we watched. Oh, boy. Okay. So, let me first give a, a brief overview. Yeah. So, what we did is we watched the worst, the best, and the median rated episode based on IMDb's user rating scores. As you can imagine, are wild. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. It's the the median is really the the basis, right? And yeah. it's where most of my opinion came from because I agree. the worst in this case definitely review bombed. Um in other case which we'll get to in other cases, just some boring series finale, yeah. season finale where something dramatic happens. That people didn't like. Yeah. Which also true of the best in this case, too. <laughs> yeah. So that's our rating system. We know it's flawed, and we're yeah. okay with that. Yeah. And you better be okay with that, too, because we're not changing it. Yeah. <laughs> so we started with the median episode. Yeah, so that's Great Satan. Great Satan. Season 20, episode 3. It had a 7.7 out of 10 rating on IMDb. And, oh no, it was the terrorist one! Yay! <laughs> yeah. So basically, it starts out, and a attempted murder, it appears, has occurred when somebody was sifting through the trash. It quickly comes out that that person just goes to the trash a lot and in that trash was a bag full of money this was a total accident this man uh, was just going through the trash in that trash can a fast food bag full of money which was destined for what a father believed to be his daughter's kidnappers turns out there's no kidnapping involved it was just guy would steal people's phones call up parents get them to leave money and then take the money and then you know before before the kid ever got back home and re- they realized they never actually got kidnapped pretty much that was it yeah as it turns out, the the person in charge of picking up the money, not the person who made the phone calls, is siphoning that money to a terrorist cell who are planning a bombing. Basically, all of this is a is a I'm going to bring up Simpsons again, a new era Simpsons esque roundabout way to get into the main plot in yeah. which they go after attempted murderer, arrest him immediately, realize oh he he didn't know right he'll probably just get some assault charges. The guy's going to be fine because that would be a whole deal if he wasn't. Um, <laughs> And then it turns into a terrorism subplot. 
Yeah. Which was pretty wild. They figured out that it was a terrorist subplot because they found out that the guy, Samir, who's just a kid. Just a kid, He's yeah. like 19 or something. He's doing this like not a hostage situation yeah. to get money so that he could open up his own radio and VCR store. <laughs> yeah. Which made me feel like I was watching Fast and Furious 1. <laughs> yeah. The the other weird thing about this episode is that they find out that Samir, this kid, before they ever pick him up, has made calls to Yemen. He's, he's an American citizen who immigrated from Syria. Yeah, a Syrian, a Syrian refugee. refugee. Yeah. And they connect without any clear evidence in my mind. They go, oh, he's made a phone call to Yemen. He's a terrorist. Yeah. The phone call to Yemen has nothing to do yeah, with, have... with the terrorism <laughs> plot of this. Uh, he's just calling his brother. Yeah. <laughs> but that is sufficient for the cops when he sets up another kidnapping sting. The cops to pull out all stops set up snipers, like three SWAT vans, yeah. a bunch of teams. They bugged his house. They bugged his house They to, just to find out when he was going to make another move. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. And this whole time, like, at the after this, you just left with this sense of, like, why, why they just suspected him of being a terrorist. That feels pretty freaking bad for 2010, right? Yeah. Like, not that that ever was good, but, you know, TV and yeah. media standards, so... I don't know. Yeah. That was pretty low, low tier. In order to get out of the not a kidnapping charges, yeah. he agrees to give up his fellow right. Muslim terrorist. <laughs> Which so I will... not say fellow because he's not a terrorist. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I should um, specify he's not a terrorist, but don't worry. He does happen to be friends with yeah, terrorists or yeah. no so terrorists. Yeah, so the person who was actually stealing the phones and making the calls is plotting, as the, as the episode un- unveils, blow up a synagogue. Yeah, because he hates America. Because he hates America. Uh, and famously, Americans are very fond of synagogues. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> but the just the fact that he happened to actually be related to this, related to this terrorist plot, feels bad. Yeah. And then the fact he becomes an informant yeah. into the plot. He fully actually joins it because before he was just, you know, getting just his cut and giving the money, giving the rest of the money into the people that were taking more of the risk, right? Cooperates with the police, makes the deal to help them take down this terrorist. He made a phone call to Yemen, and yeah. you're Muslim, you must be a terrorist. It's like... It's not even clear that he has strong ties to Islamic faith. <laughs> yeah, I think they go to the the same Yeah, he, he knows... Well, he, he knows um, people who who are involved in the plot. That's his, like, connection with them from his youth. But it's not clear that he has any strong ties as an yeah. adult to Islamic faith either. So it's yeah. very, uh... Just because I live in Indiana doesn't mean that I know January 6th insurrectionists. <laughs> not gonna comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, effectively, the, co- the cops start to get more involved. They need a plate to source explosives. Samir says, I know a guy, and then sets up the cops giving him fake explosives. But... Uh, but... Real, real detonators. detonators. <laughs> the important part, real detonators. The night of the intended bombing occurs. The cops come out, arrest everybody. Awesome. Foiled a, an attempted terrorist a terrorist attack. The uh, mastermind of which is on parole, so he'll be, you know, locked up for, for a pretty long time, regardless of an attempt versus, you know, executing it, which I guess doesn't really come into the calculus at all, but that is made explicitly clear in the episode. But what's this? Kaboom! An actual explosion happens, seemingly unrelated to this explosion, at the same time, in the same neighborhood, at a different synagogue down the street. And then the cops are like, whoa, whoa, what? Unclear what happened. Uh, And it's 
revealed that plotted their own explosion, which occurred at the same night. And used the detonator that the cops gave them. Yes. Unveiled, unfortunately timed in court. <laughs> also, I believe that the actor who plays the mastermind is Omar from The Wire, who has very famous, like, extremely dramatic court scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't think Law & Order should have tried to, to live up to The Wire's court scenes, because they're very good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> what it really comes down to, the big conflict in the episode is, like, one... <laughs> The police essentially set up these people who had no means to commit a terrorist attack, but had been, like, generally vaguely talking about them. They didn't have the means, they didn't have the motivation until their informant, one, gave them illegal drugs. Like, cocaine and... and, I I think amphetamines. And Yeah, and amphetamines to, like, help at least one of them, like... With their, like... With their depression. Yeah, which, you know, in turn helped him be part of the terrorist plot. Yeah. So that's the thread they pull on. The detonator thing gets pulled on too yeah. of like the informant's involvement actively worsened the situation and led to the actual explosion. Yeah. And this is all during the court part of this too. The cop the, the cop part with the husband from Waitress and, and the donut guy from the first Transformers movie. Um <laughs> The whole flake guy is already done at this point. They're yeah. just part of... They testify in court because they kind of fucked up a little bit. Um, yeah. But this is all during the court scene. And basically now their argument hinges on their informant being able to sway that two co-conspirators, not the mastermind, would have done anything had they not... Interfered. Interfered and provided them with the means for an explosion or to attempt to attempt stuff. Yeah. And, um, and as part of it, they have leverage against him, yeah, which is unimportant. Yeah, blackmail, unimportant. And the emotional crux of the of the episode is he's been blackmailed, threatened him with deportation, and then he comes through in the end and does the right thing for his country, even though his country is going to reward him with that by deporting, deporting him, him to Syria. Uh, a country <laughs> that he hasn't been since he was five years old. Yes, and and is afraid of being tortured when he gets back to it. Yeah. So. Oorah! <laughs> yeah. So that's generally what happens. And yep. then at the end, it's like, oh, you know, we'll probably save him from deportation. Yeah, it's like it, they're in the five like to 30 five, seconds. The 30 seconds between the court, the court case ending and the end of the episode is back at the DA's office. And one of the actors who will not be returning for the next season uh, after the cancellation ends is handed a case of somebody managing to skirt laws about committing crimes before you're a citizen on technicalities. Yeah. And that's the one interesting bit of character development we get in this episode <laughs> of Law & Order. That was absolutely wild. That one, like, someone at one point jokes that they should try the NYPD for co-conspiracy to commit an act of terrorism because of, because of um, what was happening in the episode. Yeah. Because of their contributions to yeah. the explosion. I was like, yeah. And yeah. There, <laughs> there's a point where the DA is like, they're going to be able to claim like mental inability to fully be, be responsible for this crime. And I was like, yeah, it kind of seems like that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of seems like that might not be a bad thing, guys. Like, they weren't in a good place mentally. <laughs> yeah, so I felt like it was like... So, like, all crime procedurals kind of have this issue, right? Yeah. Where they're like, God, these people are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. And so they should go to jail. But it's like, okay, but <laughs> there was some pretty insane acts of, like, police contribution to this scenario that happened. Like, it all felt very coercive. Yeah, it was... I wasn't rooting for the NYPD, honestly. They they probably should have shut it down when their informant did things wrong. (laughs) But yeah. Anyway, that's Great Satan, the median rated episode of Law and Order on IMDb. 
Who knows? Maybe next season it won't be anymore. <laughs> should we get into the, the worst rated epi- er, episode of Law & Order? The episode I, I think we should. So that due to a, a clerical error on Daphne's part, I now own on Apple TV. Because <laughs> <laughs> Daphne accidentally got the season of SVU and not the season of regular Law & Order. Yeah, I believe um, the library's inconsistent uh, naming schemes. Yep, and so for the low, low price of $2.99, I now own season 22, episode whatever. Season 21, episode Season five. 21, episode 5, free speech. <laughs> yeah, which is, if you're wondering, the QAnon episode. Yes, it's the QAnon episode. Which is why it is rated the worst, most likely, review-bonked. But yeah. I will say it wasn't, it wasn't a it, great episode. It wasn't great. The The problem with going for things uh, that, that are pseudo news if you don't really get it right it's kind of not worth striking at them you know yeah, like um, i agree the whole the crime in this one is that there was a murder committed of a democratic nominee for i i think it was a house seat yeah um, he's, a politician. he's a politician uh, up, up, it, might, it might have been a, a city council position i can't remember and this victim had had a smear campaign conducted on him, majorly concocted by the owner of an alt-right, effectively neo-Nazi media empire, who edited a bunch of photos of him with young girls from his daughter's class, uh, and then convinced through online channels that this guy was part of the deep state Q conspiracies. Rape and harvest children's organs. It's fucking grody, but... Yeah. um, Yeah, and it's like... It's pretty intense. (laughs) It's a wholly believable premise. The conviction with... Not not the literal conviction in the court. The conviction with which the the attorneys are pursuing this media mogul who is in, in law responsible for this smear campaign because what happened was that one of his followers who he considers dumb and a pawn who he inflamed to commit violence surprise surprise push the democrat in front of a bus yeah um and there is some they don't explore which is honestly kind of funny yeah um there's some evidence that he like directly told him to kill the guy right but since it's like uh they can't get the logs like the call logs, they don't know what they talked about, yeah. and, and the person who pushed the guy from the bus is not going to, to rat on yeah. this media mogul. So it's unclear. But it's like, within the lore of the show, it's pretty cut and dry that he like asked the dude yeah. to kill him over the phone <laughs> they, multiple times. They, uh, they traced his IP back to his uh, desktop computer in his office, because apparently his desktop has its own IP address, which is not something that actually happens, but... <laughs> Now, the weird part to me is they failed to to prove definitively that he contributed to this specific murder, in my opinion. They proved that, or they they proved through science, uh, that his computer was responsible for some of the messages sent on the board that were specifically inflammatory to the Democrat. Also demonstrated a clip from a a weekly rally that he held where he was talking to a staffer, looking out at the crowd of people like the guy who pushed the bu- pushed the guy in front of the bus saying how they're all just idiots and how we should really get that we we should tap into that and organize them to do something right like yeah i think he may have said he may to, have like, said to, to like take action or like kill but it is a it is a myth that circumstantial evidence is not enough for a conviction right ultimately it just depends on what a jury can perceive i would as that guy's lawyer feel like probably have a pretty good argument that it's not proof of that I murdered this guy, right? Yeah. Or that, like, and obviously there's there's or legal conspiracy definition. to commit murder, right? And that that's I don't even, that they were getting him on on murder two, I think. Yeah. Um. Or whatever. I don't even remember. I don't remember exactly. It wasn't like manslaughter or anything. They were like fully going on going murder uh, second degree, I think. Which is just kind of like 
Yeah, I guess, but it makes it a little less believable because uh, that ain't happening in the real world, guys. <laughs> yeah. So it's a li- it, re- it was a little bit fanficy. Yeah. The the one thing that I thought about this episode though, this cannot be the worst episode of Law and Order. <laughs> it just can't. It was not that bad. There's got to be less believable stuff. It's a product of the people that it angered being terminally online, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Something I wrote down was like about this was who is this episode for? <laughs> Um, because I felt like, I don't look, I have to deal with enough of this yeah, in my everyday yeah, yeah, yeah. life. Yeah. I don't want to watch this in my Law & Order episode. I, I honestly, honestly, the, uh, my take on that is that Law & Order is for an older crowd, exposed to a plethora of borderline QAnon conspiracy theories, or just straight up QAnon conspiracy theories, right? I would appreciate their media <laughs> that they consume, kind of discussing that a little bit, right? So I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it had to be for me, but yeah, I, as a young individual, young terminally online individual, I didn't like, I didn't want to watch it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was um, like, this is uh, too much. Well, and then also part of it was like, if you're trying to make like a real impact here and maybe demonstrating to people how their activity online can contribute to consequences in real life, right? Sure. That relates to, like, QAnon stuff and things like that. Sure. I just don't feel like it, it would it did a very good job. Because it, it had the idea of, like, even, like, in the show, they were talking about how, like, the liberals and the Democrats think that we're so stupid. And yeah. it's like, I don't think that the show did a good job of showing... That that, that those, wasn't true. Yeah, that that wasn't true. Yeah. yeah. It's and like, it's like... <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it did a good job of showing the nuance yeah. of what it really looks like for people to get, like, ingrained in these conspiracy theories and, yeah. like, the nuance of how that impacts them and, yeah. and how it how they get in that position to begin with. Yeah. And it's like, these people aren't stupid. They had just have very specific lived experiences that make this something that's... Um, more believable. More believable than... They're- absorbed in propaganda that basically doesn't expose them to anything that would introduce a critical thought against it, right? Yeah. Um, and that's not to say critical thoughts at all. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it just... Not that... at all. It, uh, specifically against the, these theories, right? Yeah. Because it just, it just fails to come up. And the same things get repeated over and over again in contradiction of that. Yeah. And then there's no progress on it, right? Like, yeah. And, like, there is, there is a decent amount of... It's space on the internet where people believe that people that are heavily propagandized to are just dumb, right? Because yeah. it doesn't because they're also propagandized <laughs> to and they don't understand how it could work in somebody's brain to believe this to them nonsense, right? And yeah. it's just like because they're inundated, right? Yeah. So it just didn't do a good job exploring that at all, really. No. Also the guy was one hundred percent like doing a, a mild Trump impression down to like flagging wide open hand gestures and like his suit was a little ill-fitting and a red tie in court which I know is you know a Republican thing but regardless and it was just like come on guys you don't need it we get it it's fine like this basically by trying to cram Trump into an Alex Jones and um what's the Tucker Carlson uh, caricature it just feels like cruel right it's like an Alec Baldwin Trump impression now I will say this episode had a lot of really funny stuff in it it did have a lot I wrote down a couple quotes I I have some in here too I wrote just a couple of alpha dogs barking at each other two real men talking business just a couple (laughs) of grown-ass men getting after it (laughs) I said that this cannot be a back-to-back season because this is season 21 we had just watched an episode from season 20 Cannot be a back-to-back season because old, I wrote down, old prosecutor guy is so much older, which I now know this guy's name is Jack. Uh, Jack's character 
Uh, he looks like he aged 10 years between uh, seasons. That's because he aged 12 years between seasons. <laughs> so I feel vindicated now that I know the truth of, of what happened at the Law and Order. I also wrote, liberal mafia is coming down to stomp on my rights. Yeah. <laughs> at one point, uh, he makes some poor taste joke about AOC. And then Anthony Anderson has a very, uh, very good line of, you didn't offend us. It wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something else I thought was very comical was that at one point, the Tucker Carlson stand-in um, hires a PI to follow the Democratic candidate to find dirt on him. And it shows, like, street cam evidence of the PI trailing this dude. And he's, like, just walking 10 feet behind him with a camera. <laughs> just, like, very blatantly yeah. taking videos and photo of him in the middle of the day. <laughs> the dude's just, like, having a conversation walking down the street with this guy. And <laughs> 10 feet behind him is just the PI I wrote down worst pi ever yeah i I also wrote down worst pi he also looks he also looked like if you hired somebody off fiverr to get arrested for stalking (laughs) i found it to be a stressful episode just because of like the subject matter and i didn't feel like it was handled incredibly well or tactfully and so it's kind of like just a general like meta anxiety about like oh boy this is a bit cringe and just subject matter anxiety of yeah. like, I don't need to, I don't need to hear yeah. about this. All right. Now this is what we've been waiting for. This is the the one, this is the highest rated episode of Law and Order. Season six, episode, episode 23. This is Aftershock. This episode was written in response to the death penalty being reintroduced in New York. It starts out with our main lovable cast, most of whom I'm unfamiliar with because I'd only seen episodes from seasons, uh, like yeah. 16 <laughs> seasons ahead of this. Starts out with... Our main characters all witnessing an execution of a man they all had a some kind of role in the conviction of. Most of them do not take it very well, and they, they don't. None of them seem too pleased about this, and it just kind of explores what that does to all of them. That's honestly all you really need to know about the episode. Is- it does guest star Jennifer Garner. That's oh, yeah, pretty. That's, that's, true, that's pretty that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how famous Jennifer Garner was before this, but this is before thirteen going on thirty. So one, everyone's very rude in this episode. Everybody's very mean and very rude in this episode. Yeah, I wrote down some quotes that they had said. Someone said, "Nobody forced you to watch." Yeah. After someone expressed that they were upset that they just witnessed an execution, which is like, okay, but like, I I think that it's important that if you like played a role in this person's execution that you should be there for. Yeah. I agree with that. I believe it was Jack went out to, to get lunch with somebody immediately. This is all on one day. It goes to a nice restaurant. Asks what's good here, and his his date or business partner, you know, coworker, whatever, whatever it was, says the pasta if you're PC or veal if you're not, and Jack proceeds to order veal. Very rare. <laughs> Because he's a hard ass. He's a hard ass. He plays on the edge. Yeah. This episode is all over the place. This is essentially character vignettes on a bunch of different characters, all of them coping with this being the first time that they've gotten someone, you know, executed. Yeah. Which is a very interesting premise, and it was very well executed, even though... I didn't know who any of these people were. Yeah. And that is kind of, I'll say, it's kind of by design. We recognize. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we recognize that that is a flaw That's in our method and e- we accept that. Even, even, even then, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We had Jack goes to a bar, gets drunk with a common man and reminisces about how, about his dad and then reveals that his dad beat him and his mom. And also his dad paid for him to become a lawyer, even though his dad was a cop. 
Yeah. That was pretty interesting. There's also... Some random guy cheats on his wife. Yeah, with Jennifer Garner. (laughs) The young detective in the show, who played a very active role in this arrest, is feeling something. I don't know. They never really explore it. Yeah. He goes to a... (laughs) He goes to a plaza where somebody's selling records. I assume it's nearby to NYU. I would say it's important. He does do a police brutality. Oh, he does. You're right. (laughs) Before he leaves the station, he does a police brutality on somebody who's... I don't think doing that much. No, right? he's just like being a little just mouthy. Being a little bit mouthy about cops. And it's not even clever. Um, it's not even clever. <laughs> and then the captain's just like, hey, get out of here. You have the day off or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because he beats the shit he out does, of this he, dude. He kicks this guy. Uh, he goes Aaron Hodgner on that producer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover that in Criminal Minds. <laughs> But yeah, he goes to like a plaza where and eats his lunch, I think. Yeah. Um, and then Jennifer Garner is there, and he's, and she starts flirting with him, and she's like, "I'm uh, I'm in college. It's okay though. I'm a grad student." And then he's like, huh, "I'm married." And she's like, "Did I say I care?" Yeah. And uh, he goes, "Apparently, I don't either." Apparently, I don't either. Because <laughs> then they end up going back to her apartment. I have to assume. Yeah. He's married uh, <laughs> with a kid. I think he mentioned. Yeah. I don't remember. I think so. And then they fuck. That was rough. What's that guy's name though? The guy with the daughter. I don't. I can't remember. I wrote it down somewhere on here, but he's actually a really well-liked character I found out when I was looking up more about this episode. He was one of the core detectives. He is... His daughter calls him and meets up to have lunch with him. They have not spoken in a long time. He left when she was young because his wife was cheating on on him. Yeah, but he also was like... He had a drinking problem. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He didn't seem like a great dad. (laughs) Yeah. He's also sober now. She's like checking in on him. They end up fighting... He's just, just kind of a dick to her. Yeah, he's just kind of like, what, what do you what do you want from me now? And she's just like, I don't know, she's a like, dad? Have, yeah, she's like, have a relationship. And he's a like, dad. well, I'm too sad for that. Yeah, it's not great. Um, All the characters in this episode are like, I'm too sad to function. And therefore, I'm going to do something messed up. Yeah. He ends up at the bar where Jack is. Jack is actively leaving because he's wasted. Yeah. And then he starts drinking. Yeah. Even though he's been sober for an undescript amount of time. We have to cover one more character here, uh, who's Claire. Claire's yeah. a prosecutor for the DA's office. She gets called a lesbo. She gets called a lesbo. She goes for a jog and gets harassed in the park. Yeah. Uh, Which I thought was very accurate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I really applaud the... Yeah, the inclusion. <laughs> the realisticness of what it's like of, to uh, be a woman in public. <laughs> yeah, a mediocre white man harassing you when you're running along Central Park. <laughs> yeah. For and outpacing just, him, too. Yeah, she, yeah. Then she goes back to her law school. No, yeah, she took the day off because yeah. she had the quote-unquote flu, but it's yeah. because she was it's depressed. She was, yeah, she was depressed about because she did not get into law to kill people, right? Yeah. So she goes to see her dad. Well, spoiler, it's her dad. Goes to see her law professor who's harassing <laughs> and mansplaining things to a woman uh, <laughs> and then reveals that he hates Judge Reinquist. <laughs> Uh, and then reveals that that's his daughter after they have a whole deep philosophical discussion. He makes some interesting points on society. He's also a dick. And then Claire, and then is like, you should come home for dinner sometime. And that's when it's like, oh, it's it's her dad the whole time. Yep, that's that's pretty much everybody's stuff. Until we get to the end of the episode, which is really the meat and potatoes of this episode. Yeah. I really wish I could remember his name. Guy who's now, who's was sober, no longer sober, fell off the wagon. Uh, is completely wasted at the bar. Claire shows up because somebody called her. Yeah. Called her. I think it was the um, the young guy who cheated on his wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unknown. Unimportant. Un- unimportant. Unclear. She picks him up and takes him home. 
And at the end of the episode, they get T-boned by a, as I looked up afterward, drunk driver, and she dies. Uh, yeah, she's yep. just dead. So that was a pretty important moment for his character development, I yeah. think. Oh, that's another thing. Throughout this entire episode, Claire uh, briefly speaks with her captain, who is the only person that did not go to the execution intentionally. And it almost felt like they were trolling me because I was just like, are they going to not talk about a man? They talked about men the entire <laughs> time. And the, the Bechdel test is, is not A, very relevant to television, nor B, a particularly like good metric. But it was interesting to me that it felt like through three scenes of these two characters talking... They actively failed multiple times <laughs> to pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she died. And I looked this up after the fact. Essentially, it ends up being, you know, an emotional thing for all the characters, but especially to Briscoe. There, I found it. The detective <laughs> name is Briscoe. Go back and edit that over every time I said that guy who's now oof, was sober and is no longer sober. <laughs> Briscoe gets back into AA pretty much immediately, which is good for him. But. Yeah bad for Claire. And yeah, so that's kind of just like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, I like Claire. She's kind of fun. She's got an interesting character. Oh, and she's dead. (laughs) And then it ends. So even even in this episode that is all character character development vignettes whatever you want to call it they still ended they still ended abruptly I guess that's what you get from a season finale though yeah I really liked there's some there are some good quotes in this episode as well I really liked the quote state sanctioned killing is the penicillin of the 90s I don't know what that means exactly but it is funny yeah I don't know I don't remember who said it the context would probably be more helpful um that's what the Claire's dad said mm, okay he had he was straight he was talking straight fire spitting fire there yeah. he had some stuff about about how the death penalty is not that big of a deal because it's just effectively society being flawed which is what society is best at very interesting i also like i don't remember what food and or drink item this was in reference to but someone said that's for fraternity boys and blue-haired ladies in reference to ordering something at a restaurant briscoe has a line because he he drinks club soda with lime when he's yeah, sober yeah, yeah. he orders one when he comes into the bar that jack's at jack's jack leaves and then he starts drinking and he says bartender barkeep you know what club soda is good for cleaning the grill give me a whatever yeah alcoholic beverage <laughs> yeah it's all very interesting i call this drunk trauma dumping the episode with bonus girl talk <laughs> but i will say i did i thought that it, I, I agree i thought it was really well executed i thought it was interesting i thought it was a really good way to explore the concept of the death penalty and I really liked the monologue at the end from yeah. the captain, in which she talks about the man who just died from the death penalty. The captain is like writing a letter, letter to her mom. Oh yeah, that's right. And it's, it's really good. And she talks about how the what this man did that earned him the death penalty. She describes what this man did that earned him the death penalty was that a woman rear-ends this man in traffic, and he gets out of the car and uh, beats and rapes her, and then strangles her to death while a crowd watches and the crowd cheers him on yeah is like the the which we don't see any of this and we are not given this context until the very end right yeah. they mentioned that he's a rapist murderer early on but they don't yeah. really give the context of it being just a completely random act of violence pretty much yeah and that everyone that was there at the time was like cheering on this man to commit this act of violence yeah. and so the the captain has like a really good reflection on this as like a how the death penalty penalty felt both not enough and too much yeah. it's a quote that i wrote down which i thought was really interesting reflection and i thought the way that they framed the crime that this man did was also um a really good reflection on like society and the role society plays and you know brutal acts of violence and stuff yeah. like that 
pretty much every, every main character throughout the episode has some semblance of at least being of two minds about it. Yeah. The captain probably being the, being the most one on, on both ends of it, right? But every other character they talk to, basically, nobody is, hey, that's a that's a messed up thing you, you got involved with, right? They're all like... Very, way to go yeah. high five you killed a guy yeah so yeah i just i thought it was a really interesting way to like talk about the death penalty. yeah absolutely what's usually brought up when you think about the death penalty is like the concept of like well what if we're wrong right like what yeah. if this person was wrongfully convicted which you know has happened yeah. people have been wrongfully convicted and then been sentenced to death and died and to find out after the fact that they were wrongfully convicted and i feel like that's usually dominates the the conversations but i i really liked the the staging of the idea that you know this is best case scenario yeah. really right <laughs> and so let's let's really dive into what this process looks like in this best case scenario and if it's really that good totally no i just yeah and we didn't i didn't really even have a context for this during the episode but it was very well executed in a way that i could still even appreciate it even not understanding that it was a commentary on the death penalty right which you know, it, obviously it was, but but with the context of this has just been reintroduced type thing. Yeah. So take us out of the dark pit that Aftershock brought us into and go ahead and jump into a lighthearted minigame and then we'll talk about the show at large. Yeah. So welcome to this minigame in which I've entitled Two Truths, One Lie oh, episode boy. description. For each one, I have two descriptions that I took off IMDb okay. with the name of the episode. And then one name of the episode and description that I made up. So you have to decipher which of these three episode descriptions and titles that I made up and which comes straight from IMDb slash, you know, law and order at large. Okay. So let me list you the first one. Yep. School days. Days with a Z. That's real. (laughs) Jack goes head to head with his former assistant, Jamie Ross, as he prosecutes the gunman in a high school mass shooting. That's one. Two. New kids on the block. Kids with a Z. (laughs) Oh, no, do they all have Z's? Oh. Fresh from probation, Fontana is forced to train the new rookie. <laughs> <laughs> As suspected gang violence claims the lives of four teens. If you made up the name Fontana, I would have no idea. <laughs> and then the last option, killers with a Z. A 10-year-old girl may be responsible for the murder of a little boy in her neighborhood. That is so lackluster of a description that if you wrote it, I'll be very sad because you played one over on me. I think it's got to be the middle one because I don't think that sounds like they could fit both cop and courtroom into this. New kids on the block? New kids on the block. Fresh from probation, Fontana is forced to train the new rookie. A suspected gang violence claims the lives of 14. I believe that is not an actual episode of Law Order. You are correct. Yep. You got you got, you got to fit the cop thing and the court thing, and they have to be related in there. <laughs> Please, give yourself a point. Aw, oh, oh yeah, I get points. Yes, that's two points. Next. Cha-ching. Bad taste. <laughs> a fashion designer is found dead in a public defender's pool, causing tensions between Jack and Detective Logan. Van Buren struggles to hide her PTSD from the team. Bad girl. <laughs> the pursuit of the death penalty for a police officer's killer who found religion in prison becomes a political football for the DA's office. Briscoe's daughter gets in trouble with the law. And the last option? Born bad. The lawyer of a 14-year-old boy claims he is not responsible for the beating death of his friend because he has an extra Y chromosome and is genetically predisposed to criminal behavior. Okay. So the middle one instantly raises flags to me because the law part and the order part don't seem related. And B, the fact that Briscoe has a daughter is one of the few things that we know about him. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know if you... I think you wrote these before we watched the episode. <laughs> so also Briscoe has two daughters as well. I will say that. He has one, the, the nurse daughter that he spoke in the episode, and then he only mentioned another one. Not sure what it is. He's actually got a really good relationship with that one. <laughs> um, 
Could you read me bad tasting? I'm sorry. I, I zoned out a little bit. A fashion designer is found dead in a public defender's pool, causing tensions between Jack and Detective Logan. Van Buren struggles to hide her PTSD from the team. Okay, well, I guess, ba- I guess bad boys too. <laughs> boys to men. Um, I'll go with bad taste. I think it might be the third one, though. I don't know. Why do you think it's bad taste? Because of the name. It is bad taste. Okay, cool. <laughs> bad taste is the one I made up. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you don't watch Drew Gooden, don't go watch Drew Gooden. Very good. <laughs> I believe that is his old ads or were terrible to women video. Or you could probably just search that and find it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? You're yes. doing great on these. Okay. Which makes me feel bad because I was hoping that... Bad taste. Bad taste. I was very proud of these descriptions. They're good. Okay. You're, you okay. did really well. Okay. Uh, it, that was purely because of bad taste. If you hadn't played it up, I probably would have would have come up with it myself yeah. and thought I was super clever and then totally disavowed any possibility <laughs> you came up with it. Oh, okay. The joke, I mean. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, the bad taste joke. Continue. Heart of Darkness. McCoy pursues murder charges against a woman <laughs> in an assisted McCoy. suicide case. <laughs> but he finds out during the trial that a third party may have also been involved. That's Heart of Darkness. Army okay. of Darkness. The prosecutor... <laughs> you keep laughing at this. They're both fucking movies slash books. The prosecution is shocked when the jury enters a not guilty verdict on an open and shut case against a well-known Irish mob enforcer. Briscoe risks his job by harassing jury members to find evidence of jury tampering. Yeah, woo, go jury nullification. Google jury nullification if you don't know what that is. Uh, And then if you ever get called up for jury duty, don't say you know what jury (laughs) nullification is. Or I get, don't lie under oath as well, though. (laughs) I can't express enough. Just try not to let people know that you know what jury nullification is because they will not let you serve, which is bullshit because it's a good thing that exists in the world that people should know about before they serve on juries. Continue. The last one, Prince of Darkness. A Colombian <laughs> drug cartel assassin is accused in the murder of a Colombian couple in a restaurant. While trying to make the case against the accused, Soretta is shot by a black market gun dealer whom the prosecution needs as a witness. Can you read Heart of Darkness again to me? McCoy pursues murder charges against a woman in an assisted suicide case, but he finds out during the trial that the third party may also have been involved. I don't think that's convincingly enough of a problem in a court scenario. Because mm-hmm. if a third party is involved... I guess it could be if you're, like, uh, hinging on them having done X things that definitely happened, and then you find out, oh, somebody else might have been involved. But I will say that one, too, because I'm not sure that you would jump to involving, like, a Colombian-specific crime family in one, and I do think the second one's real. So I'll go with the first one, Heart of Darkness. You're incorrect. Damn it. Which one did you write? I wrote Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness, Which is the yeah, Irish mob one. enforcer. That's pretty good. <laughs> that, I'd watch that episode. I, oh, was I, like, I just crossed out three to write four, but no, I have three points. I so I read the Prince of Darkness description that was yeah. like, I should put way more racial epitaphs in here, apparently, yeah. <laughs> in order to make it a believable <laughs> episode description. Yeah. And so I decided to specify that it was an Irish mob enforcer. <laughs> I mean, it checks out. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, that's, that's like wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's like, real. that's Castle was like. Irish mob is all over that. <laughs> well, thank you for coming up with that convincing one and for introducing people to the idea of jury nullification by proxy. So. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So that that's at the end of our mini games, you have three points for this episode. I have three points for this. I received one in the first round and two in this round. Uh, so I have to come up with some pretty good mini games to make sure that we stay about level. Okay, that's, that's good. Yeah. Don't try to screw me over. I won't. So at the end of all this, what's your feelings about Law and Order? <sighs> 
Aftershock was really good, the third episode. I kind of have to discredit discredit it in my overall opinions, though, because obviously the whole thing isn't just a character drama that's vaguely tied to them all being law enforcement officials. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it works, honestly. I don't think the police and courtroom drama thing works for trade-off. Uh, the, the reason that Dun Dun is so iconic is because they move around so much and they give little titles. I can't make sense of the title. The little, the like, title. I couldn't read any Hank of those. Hank can't read. I, can't, I don't. <laughs> Hank, I'm 20 odd years old and I never fucking learned how to read. <laughs> I can't read titles. I don't. Or like read that stuff that quickly and process it and be like, yeah. ah, yes, this is August 28th, which is four days ahead of <laughs> August 24th, which is when this piece happened. Yeah. I guess it's interesting if you're making like a cork board <laughs> to try to solve it as you go, but. I don't know. I just found I found it hard to enjoy. Plus, I like a good mystery, you know, and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they were really that mysterious in episodes. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about procedurals are the mysteries. Yeah, for sure. That's why I like Columbo so much, because which I, is ironic because you know you know who did it, but it's fun to to think about the flaws in their alibi, right? And yeah. Like try to figure out what what's gonna get them get them uh, cooked. <laughs> and that's what that's why we liked Jonathan Creek so much. In yeah. His first couple of seasons because it's all about misdirection and and mystery, right? Yeah. I, for some context, because Jonathan Creek is not particularly well-known, especially in the U.S., it's yeah. just a, a show about a magician's assistant who solves crimes that appear to be, like, impossible. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. I agree that I um, I really love the mystery part, and I feel like this show skips all of the mystery. For sure. I'm in a way that I don't find very satisfying. Um, I also wrote down that the show makes me feel like I have no clue how court works. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's a commentary on me. Or it. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. I, mean, I don't watch a lot of courtroom drama because... <laughs> but, like, I generally, I generally feel like I have a decent understanding of how things actually end up getting tried and whatnot. And, like, this is just, like, you know, cinema court, so it's not really realistic. But, like, it's also just kind of weird when they're like, defense's lawyer just gives up at this point. And it's like, <laughs> that's not a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's some episodes where they actually, like, pursue the plea, right? Yeah. That makes things a bit clearer. Because that's like all other cop shows are yeah. doing basically, right? Is like trying to get it to a point where they'll confess and take a plea, right? But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I like seeing the sentencing stuff. Right. In terms of like the the math that gets done on, on what charges they decide to bring to the people. I thought that was interesting and an interesting element to have. But I just don't think that it made up for the other missing pieces. For sure. I also think that there's a bit of a there's a bit of a pitfall. Cop shows always run into a bit of is this copaganda? And the answer usually is no. <laughs> Not really, but like it's very it's generally showing very idealized form. Oh, some of them are, right, yeah. for sure. But showing a very idealized form of how policing works. It's not hyper or even really how it works generally. To see that not only borderline propaganda and also then about the court system, which can be even worse sometimes in some places, right? Yeah. Uh, is like, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree. And I felt that way when we were watching the, like, um, the Great Satan episode, where it's like, <laughs> I felt, like, bad for the, the yeah. criminals, right? Because, yeah. like, I felt like we were supposed to be rooting against them. But I felt like they were set up on multiple levels and coerced on multiple levels uh, yeah. into committing the crime right. by, like, the informant and the police department. <laughs> and, like, the court system was also, like, really trying to, like, get them on these charges that, like, the show was essentially telling you are partially fraudulent. Right. And they're still, like, see, it's a win that they still got charged. Yeah. And it's, like, is it? <laughs> and literally the, 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 the their star... 
the key witnesses being um, blackmailed, like, interjudicially, right? Like, interjudicially without any, like, because they, they they know something that an exploit effectively to get him kicked out of the country um and it just feels like that's not like hyper great right no it misses some of the excitement in terms of like solving the mystery that i like from other procedurals while also having some additional areas where it gets in stuff that i think is like generally problematic yeah so i think that it it straddles the line for both negatives for me. For sure. Which is why I think that I'm going to agree on a 6.5 for Law & Order. Yeah, honestly, as we've been talking about it again, my, my brain goes down to a 6. But I, th- I think 6.5 is a good is a good balancing point. Yeah. So. All right, Law & Order. I'm, I'm jotting it down. I'm pulling out my stamp. 6.5. Uh, there we go. Moving on. All right, so where are we going next? Well, on this next episode, we've decided to take a gander into the... Um, depths of uh law and order spinoffs and we're we're starting at svu special victims unit <laughs> never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> we might get into the other spinoffs at a later point in time not not all at once though no. oh my god i want to watch something that's not law and order <laughs> <laughs> the second episode we're going to get into law and order svu and this should be a great time maybe we'll have much better things to say about it i honestly don't have high hopes going in no but We'll see. Yeah, I've got I've got some commentary that I'm saving for recording that, but yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll check you out next time. All right. Case closed. Dun dun. <laughs> Procedural generation. been procedural veneration thank you for listening you can find us on instagram at procedural.veneration or check out our other random projects at www.dank.pizza and finally a thank you to jacob pertulis for our wonderful theme song see you next time